Hi, everyone, and welcome to Reptile BS. Hi, I'm Becky. I just want to welcome everyone to tonight's show. We are going to be talking about how everyone likes to keep their individual setups for their reptiles. And we're also going to be talking about how to set up them for success in your own way in where you live in the world. And the other topic we're going to cover is anything else that comes up on caller's questions. We are a group of friends from across the land that get together once a week to talk about reptile care and maintenance. Tonight, I want to welcome Ed from BC Python. Ed? Ed, CMC. Oh, my Lord. I'm tired today. You have to forgive me. That's All right, Ed. It's been a long day for me, and I can't hear nobody because I don't have headphones on today. That's okay. All right. Next, I want to welcome Bill from BC Python. Now I'm finally getting it right. There you go. There you go. How's it going? Because I can't hear them. I can't hear them at all. I don't know what's going on. I can barely hear anybody. All right. I also want to welcome Marshall from Marshall Law Morphs. Hey, Marshall. Can you hear me? Marshall? Yeah, I'm here. Are you not getting nobody tonight? No, I can hear them, but I can I can barely hear them, and I don't know why. Uh, okay. Okay, and I want to welcome Jay from Boxing Boa. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties I, on our I end, I got to fix my end here for a second. Just give me one second, guys. And, I apologize. For and it. I want to welcome hey, Andy. Good. And, of course, me, Becky, from DEA Exotics. Hold on. Let me see what's going on here. Give me one second, guys. Just one second. I'm going to fix this problem really quick here. Uh... All right. Can you guys say something? Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing okay, but I still hey, I don't know what's going on. Hmm. I have to listen well, real close. Like, I don't know why I can't you hear you guys real well. Fine. Huh? You sound good though. You sound good. Yeah. Okay. You sound good. Yeah, I just can't hear nothing. I don't know what's going on. In fact, I hear yeah. you the clearest than anybody. <laughs> I'll tell you what's Are going you... on. He's been spending too much time with that. Days of our racks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you can. And now, just leave me the way it is. All right, guys, I had to call in because for some reason we're having technical difficulties on Andy's end. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, so how's so, everyone uh, how doing, are you doing tonight? today, Marshall? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. I can, I can hear, hear you, you fine, fine, but Andy can't hear nobody. Okay. I can't hear. Uh, I, can I hear don't know what's going on. Um, while we sit there and let Andy get his technical difficulties work out, um, we're going to tell him, let's, uh, we, 
we all heat different ways. We all do different things depending on where we're from and how we uh, how we feel is the best care for our animals. Uh, Marshall, why, why don't you go ahead and go first since you do it differently than the rest of us? Well, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about first before we got into everything. All right, go ahead. First off, I was wondering if anybody had uh, seen um, um, Python Boulevards. Have you guys ever seen the Ball Python Boulevard guy? No. Ooh. Yes. No. Yeah. He, okay. He yeah. he's on. Um, I can't do this one because it's it's so such a lay. It's goofing me up. Um. <laughs> I don't know what else to help I don't, with. I, I don't know. Hold on. Anyway, he's on um, YouTube. I can't hear nothing. I don't even hear you on there. And uh, <laughs> what he does on YouTube is the way he incubates his snakes. I'm sorry, guys. I'm having such difficulties. I can't hear what anybody's saying, so I don't know what the problem is. Anyway, um, he eggs inside of a tub. Like your regular rack system? Yes. So he he incubates his eggs inside his in inside like his rack system. I do the same thing. Um, I have done that's it's similar to what maternal incubation is. Um, I know Ed Lilly has used his uh. Um, his cage is the same way as an incubator. I know that's how he's incubated several as his eggs, just in inside his cages. And you got In order to do that, your cages have to be spot on with yeah. temperature, humidity, airflow. You know, it's definitely. Um, do I think it's a unique way of doing it? No, do I think that in order to do something like that, you have to have everything in your cages spot on without a doubt. What do you think, Bill? You have uh system too, like that. Oh, yeah, I think that would be great, you know, if you could get your humidity right in range, you know, I think it would be perfect heating in a tub environment. Yeah. And I, you got to definitely add moss to your enclosure to help. Right. That. that would that's a, that's a key thing right there. Yeah. Um, just simple sphagnum moss. I think if if you want to do that, um, that's what it, just take away the maternal incubation part. If you're going to use a rack or a tub inside the rack, or like Ed does, he'll just lay his eggs, you know, down in there in a tub and set them inside his enclosure. I know he puts sphagnum moss around. That way, if he sees an egg dimpling, he can add a little bit of water to that sphagnum moss, and it'll that egg will fill out. Because with that, um, and I think you can agree on this, Ed, is you have to really pay attention to the egg development. So if you notice it's dimpling earlier, you really got to, that's how your humidity needs to come up. Hey, yeah. I, hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. All right, Andy. Andy has audio now, but we he just lost his microphone. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know what's going on. So he can hear you, but now he can't communicate with you. Can you guys hear me? I heard him. 
Yeah, I, I heard okay. him. Uh, yeah, that's because I'm talking through. Because he's talking through my headset. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm having some technical well, difficulties. <laughs> um, what I was going to say. You got to speak a little louder, hon, because. Um, I don't know, guys. I'm having some trouble here. Um. Right, go ahead, guys. Talk. Okay. And you were yeah, saying <laughs> brain thing that they have. Basically, no, I I put my here. eggs in okay. a okay. box. Okay. 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 With, Can you guys hear me now? Uh, and I use the yep. hatch right, but then I put the shoe box in the tub, in the rack tub, and then I put uh, two water bowls in there to keep the humidity up. And I kept the temp is spot on at 88, 88.9. And I actually, what I do is I put shoe boxes in there probably a month prior. And I keep, I put a thermostat in the shoe box to make sure for that 30 days. And I check it all the time to make sure it's staying at that exact temperature. Right. So this is identical to maternal incubating without the mother. Yeah. Yeah. But do you have any yeah. substrate in the shoe box with the eggs? Yeah. Oh yeah, in the shoe okay. box I use hatch right. I put hatch right okay. there. So the okay. eggs well, are sitting on the hatch right. Um and then I use I put the water in there because you know, I've used those incubators. I think Andy was uh showing one on his video. I had three of those. They all they killed four of my clutches. I mean because what they did yeah. was they switched reverse, and they went down to 37 degrees. They froze right. four clutches last year, and then two clutches and that's a year before that. Yeah. Okay. That's a, I took them what, to the what, dumps. What he was you doing know, was he was putting the eggs right on vermiculite in a tote and put it inside the tub. Now, yeah. the tub, he said he had it set to 90 degrees or something. And then he had the ambient yeah, but, temperature set at like 80-something, and it comes out yeah, to be right. about 80, 88 degrees. Perfect, he says. Yep. And his yep. eggs never deflate. They stay really yep. plump, and he finds it better than the – he thought it was doing better than the um, – uh, like an yeah, incubator would do because they don't dry it does. out. It does. That's interesting. Well, you know, and I got you got to think about it. When you, when you sit there and you run an incubator, okay, most of us fire an incubator up, anywhere from three weeks to a month ahead, okay? Right. Now, with our cages, we run 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and we make sure, as responsible keepers, our cages are spot on every single day. I don't know about you guys, but I take yep. temp gum to my cages at least three times a day. Oh, so yeah. do I. And so I think, that's the, I think that's why it works. Because those are accurate, where our incubators, yeah, yeah we get them accurate. But they're, I mean, let's be realistic. We only fire them up for a couple months out of the year, and then after that, we, if yeah, you, depending on whatever incubator method you use, you're not worried about it the rest of the month. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um. All right. Um, I didn't want to throw you guys off topic there, but that was just what I, I wanted to know what other, everybody's opinion was on that. But uh, now we're going to talk about today's show is going to be talking about um, how people set up in a different environment. Now, up here in the north where Marshall and myself are, 
it's really cold in the wintertime and it's hard to maintain a, you know, it's harder to maintain them, I think, than it would be if you lived in Florida or like Ed over there in beautiful, sunny California. <laughs> um, so you let, suck, let me get Ed. your opinions on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start off with Ed. Ed, how do you keep yours? I mean, do you, because like I think Marsha was saying last week, and we'll touch on this when Marsha gets up, that he maintains an ambient temperature. But Ed, how do you keep your stuff? Okay, I have a I have a programmable heater inside my snake room, and I keep my ambient temperature between 82 and 84. I keep my humidity. I have a humidifier in here. I keep my humidity at about 55% in the room, um, and then I have a fan going constantly, you know, 24/7. Um, you know, because you got to realize here in California, you know, we might have beautiful weather, but our our humidity is I mean, bone dry, especially in the summer when that Santa Ana wind comes through. I mean, your skin starts to crack. It's so, and it it affects inside your house when the wind's blowing. It sucks every bit of moisture out. So you got to be careful, and you you got to keep that humidity going in the room because California has really. That's why we have bad fires here. When that wind picks yeah. up, it's like lighter fluid. Um, and it will affect the inside of your house if you don't have a humidifier, and your snakes will dry up. They'll 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 have blown sheds. Um, I mean, if you're if you have eggs, and the, you know if one of your females drops eggs, and you, you might leave it in there 24 hours not knowing. I mean, the humidity is so dry, it could it could hurt the eggs too. So now you think being really close to the ocean like that. Yeah, we're not close would be to the ocean. We're we're about fifty, sixty miles away. But you gotta remember this is the Pacific Ocean, so it's cold water. You guys oh. like in the back east it's warm, you know, the Atlantic is nice and warm, it's humid. And if you watch like a Muscle Serpent you, you know, university, that guy, um, Dave Palomo, he yeah. he says all he does is open his door and the humidity is you know, Every day of the year, it's it's in the seventy eighty percent humidity. So yep. he doesn't have issues with that. He could put it on paper. He could put his snakes on paper. You know, they all have good sheds. And you know, if you live in right. San Francisco, your humidity is much better. But here, where I live, it's bad. It's dry. Right. I would like I would like to welcome on the Python Barrel. He's on the show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh-huh. Hey, what's going on? So, um. Okay, that was uh, so you got it. You, you you set up because it's it's really dry, so you have to add a lot of extra humidity to your room. Yeah, uh, your room. Yeah. Okay. Do you yeah, find that? Um, yeah, because you you your humidifier. You got to constantly every day add water to it. You know, the, I have a really nice one, so it's programmable. I set. You set it at 55% humidity, so when it hits that, it turns off. So it's not so bad, but it's an extra chore because, you know, you got to keep an eye on the water. you got to keep yeah. adding water to it, you know, so that's the thing. But you got to make sure you do have a good one that, you know, that the mist is really fine, that you're not getting mold in the room, you know, because that, that could be another issue right, if yeah. you keep it too high. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you, Ed. Did you ever think of setting up an aquarium in that room? You know, I got aquariums in my room. 
Yeah. And I don't have a humidity that. problem at all. Uh, no. I know several keepers that keep aquariums in the room for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about it. I mean, I used to have a huge aquarium, you know, a hundred gallon with discus in it, just like you do, Andy. You have discus. I had yeah. a, a huge collection of those because I had a friend that actually bred those, um, so I would buy them right from him. Um, that and but I I'm just lacking the room in here because I have so many racks now inside the one room. Um, I couldn't fit a fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> an Here's a beta tank. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> not no, not necessarily a bad problem. <laughs> so exactly. Marshall. Yeah. Marshall, do you, how do you keep yours? I I now keep in mind that um in my room uh we're talking we're talking just a ten by fifteen foot bedroom. Um I keep at ambient at eighty six degrees but uh it's it's a chore to maintain with the weather. Uh like Ed was talking about I I don't even try to fight the humidity issue with the humidifier and everything. I simply, you know, I go with Reptichip, um, and I'm misting every few days that, you know, in, into the Reptichip. Yes, I'm a mister. <laughs> but, uh, um it, it, it works out good for me right now because of the size of my room. It, it's very manageable. Uh, just using an uh, oil-filled heater, a fan to circulate the, the air, and then I did have to go through and every door jam, every window sill, or the one window sill in there, that all had to be silicone, plastic over a, one window, and then that, that, that window is covered. The door to it, I I actually, it's kind of funny, I took one of those little floating noodles that, that the kids use for the pool, and I attached that to the bottom of the door, and the door is all silicone, but it, it, it's kind of been interesting as far as with the circulation fan that I have running in here. I'm actually able to keep, um, I'm actually able to keep three levels of temperature on the bottom floor uh, the bottom three levels of my rack I keep at a temperature of 84 degrees the middle four uh, levels of my rack are at 86 and the top three levels are at 88 and that the top three levels of my rack is where I keep hatchery I keep females at the bottom and I keep uh, males at the middle <clears throat> Anybody else get a and, weird static sound? No. Yeah, I can hear. I, don't I hear. can hear a little bit in the background. Okay, I just put away. Huh? But in, that one's yeah, in my then, fan. Let me see. Let me see if I can get it. Is it? Did it stop? No, it's still there. Yeah. yeah no, I don't it hear. It stopped on my end. I don't hear it. I, I, I heard it. I think. I don't hear anything. I think Blog Talk is having issues tonight. I think the podcast host place is having some issues. 
because at first I couldn't hear you, then you can't hear, and you guys couldn't hear me, so I don't know. Um, Marshall, and you don't have any pro- issues with that or anything? No, no. Um, but like I said, it's it's manageable and it's easy to maintain for this size of a room. Now, if I expand out of here, this is then I I won't if I get into a room that's any bigger than this, I wouldn't attempt ambient. I I just okay. I, there's too many there's too many variables. The larger your room gets, is is kind of how yeah. I feel about it. Hmm. Uh, Jay, why don't you tell us how you do yours? And if you have um, any questions keep, for anybody, you know, yeah, I shoot keep, up some I questions. Keep, uh, I keep three snake rooms now. Obviously, I have two downstairs, and I have one upstairs now because my daughter, India, wanted snakes in her room. Um, I run all Azroid Pro Line pages, and I run all Pro Heat with all helices. Now, the good thing about living in Illinois and the bad thing about living in Illinois is the humidity is great. So I, I never have any issues with shedding or anything like that. Um, the, pro, the helixes I run at 86 degrees, um, and with my temp guns on the, on the hot spot, they, are about a, they run a consistent 88 degrees, and on the cool side, they are consistent 82 to 83 degrees, and that's year-round. Um, the I don't the only issues I've ever really come across with anything is definitely getting it cold enough when I have to cool some of my animals. Um, the best way to do that is to bring them upstairs and put them to a wall that's on the outside, so that way I can get uh, like when I need to cool a bow down or I need to cool a, a carpet down, I can do it that way. Um, now as far as like ambient temperatures go. Um, I, I think that's a fascinating topic because, you know, just doing the research I've done on it, I know a lot of people, I know people that do it, and I, I think that it, it can work well. The issues that I, I think can arise from it, and, and I want your guys' opinion on the ambient temperatures, A, you know, um, you're putting a snake under extra stress when it wants to um, digest its meal because if it's at a constant 83 degrees, it's on the cooler end of things which is natural, but it also takes them, you know, are they able to digest as well? Are they able to, you know, or are they stressful? Are they working harder to digest a meal that they, that they wouldn't have to do if you were in a heat source? Right. I, I, I personally have not, uh, I, I have not have any signs of, of, with with the snakes, I've I have yet to encounter regurgitation. Um, I have feed responses coming, you know, strong feed responses coming from my animals on a weekly basis. Um, I I have yet to have come across where I'm pulling tubs open and I have either a snake that in the water dish trying to cool down or pressed up against the front of the tub closest to the heater trying to get heat. Um, I, I just, I'm not seeing any signs of stress. 
Well, see, I that's know a good with, thing, and that's you pay attention to your snakes. Yeah. No, see, I know with my with my like uh, California king snakes I have, I don't put them on any extra heat source. I do an ambient temperature because I found when I put them, like if I had extra heat in there, they didn't do as well as they do with the ambient, just a plain, ordinary, just solid temperature. I found right. that they were more stressed out if there was heat in there. Um, yeah. It was more issues with the California king snakes. Now, with ball pythons, I always have an extra, I, I have the heat strip in there. But then again, you know, my room is, I got several of them, and it's just easier that way for me to do that. I try to maintain a set steady room, and then I cool it down. I mean, I, I put the heat strip in there so in case it does get cooler, because I don't know about where you guys are at, but I know up here where I'm at, when the temperature drops, so it, it, can, it cools down in the room. So, uh, yeah. Python burrow, how, how do you keep yours? Um, over here, it's uh, up and down. Some, uh, excuse me, one second. I, I, one second. Has somebody got a TV going or something? Because I hear a TV. Uh, no TV going on my end. No. No, I'm no, no TV here. I'm can muted, anybody hear that? So I don't. I don't. Yep. Yeah, I can hear background. I'm muted. Huh. Because I definitely hear somebody have a TV or something going on in the background. Well, I know for me when I when I whenever I'm not talking or anything like that, I'll just I'll just put it on mute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm in the, my daughter's room, and there's no TV or no. Will you give me a water, India? Yeah. I'm in I'm in the basement. I have nothing but the hum of my <laughs> angle-matic. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, up here or over here on the east coast, uh, it uh, gets pretty dry in the winter, so I'll run a humidifier and I'll keep the room about sixty sixty percent humidity. That way, it's easier for me to keep the tubs at a at a sixty percent range. Um, but I just use paper towel in the summertime. I don't run the humidifier because it stays pretty humid over here. Um, but the uh, ambient temperature in the room, I try to keep it in the summertime about 80 to 81 degrees. And then my hot spot around 80 to 89. And it and it varies from the, the end of the tub. I think it usually gets around 81 on the cool side and 89 on the hot side. Okay. I, I got a quick question, Andy, if that's okay. Sure. Okay, I think when you're talking about ambient temperatures, the one thing that uh, I am going to say, I think you're right, with king snakes, corn snakes, milk snakes, stuff like that, I don't. I think ambients are great. Now, my next question is, I all my cages, every single one of them is between 6 feet, 4 feet, and 3 feet. So do you think because my cages are larger like that, that's why radio heat panels work for me as opposed to ambient because when you're talking ball pythons, you keep them in tubs. Um, ambient temperatures might work better because you're not keeping large snakes like I that, like I keep my enclosures in where it's 
as more necessary? Well, in my opinion, like uh, Marshall's got a the room, and each tub. But when you got like your bigger tubs like that, your bigger cages, I don't think the air would circulate as well as like it would with Marshall's setup. Because Marshall, you said you got fans going, right? Well, he uses fans to circulate the air up. Yeah. He don't have them in each individual tub, though. Did we lose Marshall or something? No, Marshall's still here. Hmm. Oh, I'm here. Uh, I had the I had the mute button on. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking. <laughs> were you talking here, I was talking away, guys. <laughs> but Jay, I was to your point. Um, I absolutely, I would, I'm absolutely certain that the size of your cages makes a big difference, as a, as opposed to uh, the the cages, the tubs that I'm using for ball pythons now. Um, for instance, in one of my my hatchling racks, it's one of the the tall grass uh, racks that uses the uh, Freedom Breeder ten F ten tubs. Yeah, with, with those tubs, even in such a in such a dry environment here in North Dakota, I'm able to keep a sixty percent humidity in each one of those tubs with just a water bowl. I can't add any extra substrate to it because it's trapping so much humidity inside along with that heat, you know, I mean, that, that the heat and the temperature being contained in there has to cor- correlate, you know, because there isn't as right. much air, there isn't as much air movement as what you would need in your cages or have in your cages, I should say. Right. So, and the nice thing about, I will say about my proline cages from Ed is, if I miss any of my cages down, they will fog up quicker than anything. So I don't even have to miss them, which is nice. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also because I use uh, radiant uh, heat panels. And and when I say radiant heat panels, I'm not talking about the ones that you get from, you know, your basic reptile shop. Um, I, I should be more specific when I when I describe what I use because the radiant heat panels I use are from ProHeat. And – they're the oh, only yeah. thing on the market that's guaranteed not to catch on fire. They last 15, 20 years, um, and you don't have to bake them. When you get a lot of the radio heat panels that you buy, um, you have to take them outside and bake them for two or three hours. With these, you just plug them in and you're good to go. There's no baking any chemicals off them. But I think it's because the guy that that runs ProHeat, that's not his main business. He is. Uh, He's a he's a a, a a a big businessman in heating and air conditioning, and he came up with the pro heat for um, his own private state collection, and then just decided that offer to us for the public. Now the one issue I can see people having with wanting to get rid of heat panels like I run is suppose what like Bill runs and other people run when we talk about heat tape, heat cable. Um, as you're also talking about, I mean, just if I'm in sitting here in my dog's room with just four cages. You're talking four hundred dollars just for heat in each one. You know, hundred, hundred, and hundred. That's four hundred dollars for four cases. Hey guys, right. I got a question on their chat line. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. The, the the chat 
caller wants to know, what do you guys do when you ever lose power? I can answer that one. Okay, go ahead, Bill. It's yours. Um, I use a backup power system, a little small guy that I got um, underneath in the corner of my racks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I have a little APC smart ups, like 1,500 watt one. And I yep. just plug in a, a power strip in the back of it, and it's got four outlets already, so I can plug the surge pressures into it so I lose power. I'm good for about two to three hours just on the batteries that are in there. And then after yep. that, I would have heat packs around to tape to the tubs if I needed them. Okay, in the Marshall, bit of a long meaning outage. you live in a color colder climate, Marshall, what would you do if you ever lose power? Uh, well, I'm, I'm perfectly suited for it being in the colder climate. As an ice fisherman, right outside of the house is a... Uh, a a Honda generator, <laughs> so it, it's just a matter of me firing up the generator and running the line through the uh, through the window. Okay. Uh, so I run a Norwell Ed? power system. I I, I uh, for my backup I run a Norwell power generator. Uh huh. So okay. I have hooked up. All right, Jay. What do you use? I have a Coleman um, generator, but. Normally, I'll just open the window because we are in California. It wouldn't be much of an issue if we lost power uh, here uh, because of the temps. I mean, even in the wintertime, you know, we're in the 60s. Um, yeah. But we've never had an issue. I've never lost power, um, but I do have a small generator just with a heater that would plug into it to keep the room warm. Okay. Now, now what I was going to suggest is uh, there's. Uh, did you ever see? I did a video on it on my YouTube channel about if you um, the stuff you use to melt salt outside. I mean, melt the which you use to melt out. Uh, Rock, salt? rock it's not rock salt, rock salt. it's like sodium it's no it's magnesium uh sulfur oh, the ice melt yes the ice melt stuff and if you add water to it it heats yep. up so if you put like uh like a quarter of a bottle in like a 16 ounce bottle of that and then pour water in it and close it up it gets to like 80 90 degrees so you could put one bottle in each tub and heat each tub for hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like the it's like the hot pocket thing that you you know, the hand warmer thingies is basically what that yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, that's what Andy uses, but that's not what I do. See, I did one smarter. <laughs> I went and spent a little bit more money and I went and bought those big honking, you know, them power packs you buy for your computer that gives you two hours to safely shut your computer down. Oh, wow. I went and bought those for my geckos. There you go. <laughs> That's what I use. Two Good hours. If the, yep. if, the, if the power doesn't come back on within two hours, then I stress about it. If not, I'm good for two hours. Yep. Mm. Then I just roll out the generator <laughs> when I run out of battery. That's what I do. 
Yeah. So, um, what, what, how do you set your stuff up, Bill, in general, just your whole setup? Um, my whole heat tape setup, I'm running heat tape on everything that I have. I run the, uh, uh, my rack systems are all now belly heat. I've been switching over from the rear heat. I find the rear heat, you know, it's, it's pretty steady long as you use like 11 or 12 inch heat tape in the back. Um, it does pretty good, but the belly heat, it just seems to be getting a lot better, uh, like talking earlier, digestion, the snakes just look happier. And I've got a pretty good test going here with, uh, two of my racks and one of the, uh, larger manufacturer racks and, uh, they're doing all doing fantastic. I have to say, but. I'm really liking the two that I'm doing in belly heat. Uh, they stay on it. They move over to the front. Nobody's hanging out in the water bowl. And my room is probably there of any of you all, I'm guessing, because I'm barely hitting 79, 80 in the ambient. Oh. But I'm in, I'm in the basement, and my tub temperatures will go from 82 in the front to 88 in the back, so... They seem to be doing pretty good, and I use the Repta chip for humidity. So, huh. all right, yeah. But I use a humidifier also here, being in Indiana. We have pretty good humidity, but in the winter our furnace runs so much it sucks it right out. So I do use a humidifier about turned up to sixty in here. Here's what I think though. Which is good. I like your whole idea. But thinking back to that question that uh, the that the chat room person asked, which was a, they said thank you for the question. Um, now, like up here, Marshall, uh, two years ago there was a power outage up by the Bismarck area. I don't know if you remember that or not. And then farmers yeah. Yeah. Out, they were without power for months. Now I don't know. I don't even know if they could get out. What would you do in a situation like that? I, I, they couldn't get out for over a week, and I don't know if people had enough gas uh, stored up to run their generators that long or not. But what would you do in a situation like that? I for mean, that the, the storm was, yeah, where it was that extensive. Because the power, what happened was we got a bad storm, and those great big power lines that are on them big towers, the towers all went down, and they had to put them all new ones in. So I, you know that was that's my biggest fear where I'm at is something like that happening because if there's no power, you know, in a town like this, I don't even know where you would get gas because the gas pumps right. all run on gas, you know, on electric. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the gas storage. I mean, if the if the gas stations couldn't get electricity, I think there'd be a, you know, that'd be a catastrophe. But yeah, I guess. Luckily, you know, when you're running, like, when you have the generator that I have, these little Honda-powered generators, I mean, I can sit for days in, in, an, in an ice house, and, and I'm running power to an ice house for days at a time. So I, I do know that on a tank of gas, I have two days' worth of electricity, and probably even more if I'm running just, uh, my snake room, 
So, but for any longer than that, boy, I, <laughs> I'd probably be making runs to the the nearest available gas station, which <laughs> fortunately, fortunately for me is five blocks away. I can walk to, but once, you know, they were out, God, I, I really don't, I don't have a contingency plan for that one. <laughs> See, that makes me think that everybody. I don't think away. anybody does. I, 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 I have a contingency plan. I do have a contingency plan. And the only reason why I have a contingency plan is because of tornadoes here. So right. that can happen. So in my case, um, what I have as a contingency plan for that is I have about 150 of the heat packs, you know, just downstairs in the basement in a bin. And then my plan for that would be is every snake, all of them, would be coming out of their enclosures and going into tubs because that's less energy. That would be less space I have to heat. That's less less chance for heat escaping. And then, you know, and I can probably do that for about a week and a half to two weeks running the, the hot, the, the hand warmers as I need. Now what I would do is I would only run, I'd turn on the, because they last 24 hours. So I would, I put, I, my plan is to put them in their little tubs, put the heat pack on top or, you know, or on bottom, depending on, you know, your preference. And that should get me through for about a week and a half, you know, and then beyond that, if I can't, if I can't get, and then, and that's only if I can't get my snakes to a different town where they have power and I can right. get them to a friend's house. But that that's what I have set up for myself because yeah. I do worry about that living in an area that's prone to tornadoes. Right. That's, that's my a, contingency that's plan. plan. I, I just came up with a contingency plan. Now I came up with it. Becky just came up with a contingency plan. Marshall, we would be bringing our snakes to your house, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, in a major disaster, I don't have any idea of what we could do. I mean, I could run my gas stove and heat up one room that way and make all the kids put jackets on and keep them in the living room where it's cold or something, <laughs> but I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. No, I, it would be scary. I think, I think Jay. I think Jay kind of hit the nail right on the head with, you know, in, in a major disaster situation, your best bet is going to be heat packs in the car headed to someone else's place. Of course. I, I, I just, I, you know, I mean, in a major catastrophe situation, the best thing for the snakes is to get away from that catastrophe. Which is what a lot of reptile keepers did in California last year. Okay, guys, I'm going to have a flash sale on heat packs for the next two hours, 50% off. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're talking about, uh, when we're talking about uh, how we heat our cages and stuff like that. I know Bill uses, when he's talking about back heat versus belly heat. Now, I use the rail heat panels, which... I like because they're wide and they're wide enough where they get a, a good section of one area of the cage, but it don't radiate off that. So literally right where that, that heat panel is is where the heat goes down. So it's top heat. 
Now, what what are your fears when you're running? Because I hear a lot of people talk about belly heat and back heat where snakes will get too hot so they'll press, they'll get in the water bowl, or they'll, or if they're too cold, they really press against that heat. I don't have that issue with the heat mirrors. You know, so what are your guys' suggestions for people out there that are running into those issues because of heat tape or heat cable? Well, especially in breeding season, I put all my breeding males, I use back heat because that belly heat can actually kill the sperm in the males if yes. it's too hot or if they're sitting on it too long. And it goes with the females, too, because if they're sitting on the hot spot constantly, the sperm, after you bred a female, that could actually infertile the, the sperm that's in the female. So there is, you know, kind of a – that's why you got to really keep an eye on that that uh, hot spot, that it doesn't get above 88. And the males, I put all my breeding males with back heat because I have both on my racks. Now, what do you guys think of this? I've seen some cages where they run just a big strip of tape, the heat tape, along the back, and there really is no belly heat. It's just on the back of the tub. Now, this, do you think that's a good idea so then they're not laying directly on it? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how yeah. Reptile Basics does their rack. They run a big 12-inch strip all the way down. Yeah. Right, and that's the way two of mine are. Yeah, that's way two of mine are, but I <clears throat> I tend to see the snake at the back on those, and then the other ones, the belly heat, they seem to move around off of it um, pretty good. I mean, it's anywhere, you know, the ambient temperature, I can check it right now and give you a, a spot-on estimate or a view because I haven't opened these tor- tubs in a bit. So right now it's at... Right on the heat tape area in the Repta chip is showing 86.7, right where the snake is. So it's below 88, so it's right in there. And then you come to the front of the tub area. We'll slide one open here if I don't get bit. It's not dinner night. <laughs> uh, the very front of the tub is like the ambient temperature of the room. It's like 79 so he's got a he's got a good cool area where the water bowl is, and then the back end is they basically go from eighty eighty four to eighty six is what I'm seeing. No, okay. now, see, that's with the up, belly. That's with the belly. Now the topic. rear heat, yeah. So the, the, the rear, you, the rear heat is cage, definitely right? cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you prefer? Would you rather see the, the heat tape on the belly or just straight in the back? Now, the ones I've noticed two, in the back, they have the sides yeah. on it, so it's not like it's an open cage, like a an open, like them, them Freedom Breeder open right. racks. You know, it's right. just a closed in, and then there's strips in the back. Now, which would kind of heat the whole back area of the tub, don't you think? Yeah. Right. Right. I, believe, yeah. I believe that doesn't sea serpents, isn't that the design of theirs? Where well, that's just right. like reptile basics. They're all enclosed. I, They're not open. Yes. So the heat's yes. nice in the back. It's perfect. Right. Right. See, and that that's a good point. And see, that brings up when you sat there and not going off talk, but when you sat there and brought up about killing sperm, there's an ongoing debate now. And a lot of carpet breeders that 
you know, we've, we've discussed this and it's been talked about in different areas, um, are now only shipping during certain times of the year because what we're discovering is when we ship a male carpet python off, um, especially like a breeder size male or a male that's getting close to breeder size, and we ship using heat packs, that male, um, there's been several cases where the males have become sterile because yeah. they got overheated yeah. with the heat packs and oh, during overnight shipping. So a lot of carpet python breeders no longer ship their snakes if they need to use a heat pack in fear of creating that sterile male snake, which has caused issues with a lot of people. You know, they get this perfectly healthy carpet python, and it's it's breeding and breeding, but they're not getting anything. They're not getting anything. Yeah, exactly. they're, what they're learning is because uh, being put in a little box, the, the heat packs, you know, usually tape to the side or up to the top, and they're separated, but it gets too warm for a carpet python, and it, and it just makes that male um, infertile. That's why I don't like, you know, I've seen some disasters happen. I don't like to ship with uh, heat packs at all if I can do it, if, if I wait till it's warm enough, because I've seen people ship, I've seen shipments of people getting shipments of snakes when it, somewhere along the way, the temperature was too hot with that heat pack in there and all the snakes arrived cooked. Yeah. Yes. But, I think the reason why heat packs became so popular during shipping and everyone expects a heat pack is because everyone wants their snakes, you know, year-round. And, unfortunately, the reality of that is it just it's not really pliable when you think about it, you know. But people want that snake. They buy that snake in December. They want that snake in December. They don't care if they live in Alaska. They want that snake right then and there, and they don't want to wait. And so a lot of breeders, I think, have decided to cater to the wants and needs of the buyer that way as opposed to the snake's health. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And yeah. what's your opinion on that? Because, uh, like, you're you're in California, and then you got somebody like me who lives in North Dakota up here where it's really right. cold. Uh, what's your I opinion always, on the whole thing? I use, when if I'm shipping somewhere cold, I make sure it goes to a FedEx hub. And yeah. the great thing is, especially that I ship through Reptile Express, those guys are awesome because if there's, yeah. they'll actually call that hub and tell them, hey, there's an animal coming, we need you to keep it in a controlled temperature environment. Not Don't put it in the warehouse because... I mean, it'll. Those warehouses are freezing in there. But I always use two heat packs: one top, one bottom. Um, when I'm shipping, and I mean, I shipped one to Philadelphia to that idiot that shipped it back because there was two black marks on its chin, um, and basically it was just the pattern of the snake. But he's right. Because people, when they spend their money, they want that snake. I mean, I bought 15 animals from Kevin McCurley last year during the winter. It took eight months before he shipped them. And I was fine yeah. with it because I knew, hey, these are babies. I mean, I'm, they're not going to do me any good yet. You know, Kevin's taking care of them. They're fine. And I, I completely trust them, so I had no issues. He even asked me, do you want your money back? I said, no. You know, when, you, when the weather's safe, and he's in New England, so that's really cold. I mean, he can't ship if he can't ship, yeah. and he won't do it. Yeah. Well, I have to, 
just put it out there and vouch for Ed. Because when I did receive my package from him, and when I went to the FedEx hub in Bismarck, the lady took forever because she had to go in the back office on the second floor to get the reptiles out of a warm room. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that's how I've always been. No, that brings up another issue. I hear a lot of people say, well, my nearest hub is 45 minutes away. My nearest hub is two hours away, and they want this thing to live <laughs> in their house, which we've all done. And yeah. when I've shipped snakes before, and someone and I and I only do hub to hub, and you have to pick up. There is no getting a delivery door. You have to pick it up at the hub. I dealt with a, a person that one time says, "Well, I have to drive three hours." I go, "I don't care." I go, "I'm not yeah. going to be rude to you, but I don't care." Well, yeah. that's gas. Well, if you can't afford the gas to pick up the snake, then I'm sending your money back because you can't afford to take care of it. Yeah. 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 That's- that's and I hate great, to be blunt like that with people, but that's what the, I know. You have I've to been be waiting. Sometimes. I, I have been waiting now seven months for a package because it was too cold to ship. They're gonna. They finally got temperatures next week to ship because they won't ship under a certain temperature, which I think is a yeah. good policy to have. And yeah, um, it is. Like Becky said, them them snakes that we got from you, Edward, they were uh, they were phenomenal. Uh, the shipping was great and the packaging was great and I have no complaints, but then again, you got to deal with customers and you were talking about that guy that you were talking about, what was it, last week or the week before? And then you get people that are real picky over stupid things. Like, I mean, you sent me the picture of that animal. That, there was not, yeah, it was the pattern of it. And I was like, I don't see no bump or nothing. That animal has eaten four times already since I got her back. I mean, this is the thing. (laughs) And I talked to John at Morse Market, and he had actually had a good suggestion because I kind of reported this kid. And he's probably a kid. He's probably young. He just doesn't know. But John says you need to, when you're selling an animal, ask a lot of questions and ask him how he's keeping his animals, what does he keep it in, you know, even how old he is and how long he's been keeping animals. Because I don't want to ship my snakes to someone that's not going to take care of them. I mean, oh, right. you know, or he doesn't know what he's doing. Cause, I mean, this was an, this thing is a, I mean, I paid $450 from this snake over a year ago from Kevin McCurley. It was, it's an inchy albino, hidden gene walma. And I sold it to this guy for 275 bucks, including shipping. So he got the deal of a lifetime on top of it. You know, he was whining about he doesn't have the money and this and that. And, uh, you know, this is my budget. Can you please go? I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a tip for 275 I wasn't in for it to make money. I mean, I didn't need another female albino because I got seven of them. So I was just getting rid of this one. And I, like I said, I had it over a year. I got it when it was a hatchling. And it's like 900 grams now. But... Yeah, he's right away. Did you just get bit by a rat? And no, it eats frozen thawed. Oh, there's a mark on its neck. So he starts sending me. I can't even see what he's looking at. And there's two marks under his chin. I talked to other breeders, and they said they never seen nothing. People like that can actually give you a bad reputation because they start. They start yeah. rumors. Right, and me and Andy talked about that. We talked about how. Yeah. When it comes to selling, and, and, and I talk to Andy about this, when I sell my animals, they're, you know, I always tell a person right up front, I'm telling you right now, you know, there's 20% non-respondable. Well, right. you, if you get the animal and you don't want it, I will pay for the shipping back. I have no problem with paying the shipping back. 
and I will give you your money back, but not 20% of it. 20% stays. Um, so I, I definitely think you have to protect yourself. And when, and when I say not just by doing, you know, your, your guarantees and stuff like that, but I think it's also documenting every single right. conversation you have with that person because everybody comes under attack. I don't care how good you are. Um, yeah. How, I, I just, it doesn't matter. Not everybody's going to be happy with you. So right. when you get put under fear of attack like that, I document everything, every email, every text, and yeah, I that's record every single phone have call that I yeah. have with a potential buyer. That way right. I can always prove that, no, I here's, you want to hear a phone call, it's recorded. Here you go. You want to see the text, right. here you go. And that's how you protect yourself from, the best way to put it is douchebag buyers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I was more concerned about getting the snake back. So I said, dude, pack that thing up and ship it back. I already refunded your money. Give it back to me. So, see, I mean, right away he complained, it's $80 to ship. I said, yeah, I know. I paid that to ship it. <laughs> well, I tell, you, I, I tell you what, Ed. I, I tell you what. I mean, if you still have it, why don't you go ahead? You just send it to me. I'll check it over for you. I'll make sure everything's okay with it. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh, Marshall, Becky already fell in love with it. So if it's coming this direction, she'll catch. She'll be in. Um, so, so Ed, why don't you tell them the condition it came in when you got it back, though? Like the how the oh, guy yeah, shipped well. it. He shipped it, you know, given this guy shipped it from Philadelphia, which it, the temperatures were in the low for, the low 40s, the high 30s. In here at the time, the temps were in the low 40s. He shipped it with no heat pack. I gunned it when oh. I got it. The, the body temperature was 45 degrees of the snake. No heat oh. pack. I wanted to kill him. I mean, oh. you can tell he doesn't know what – that's what scares me about these people that are buying Buyer. animals. Yeah, buyers scare me more than the seller. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's a shame because right away, like I said, he started saying, "Oh, it's a beautiful snake. It's awesome." And then an hour later, hey, it looks like it has a scar on its neck. I mean, I'm going to do a video. It's in shed right now, and I'm going to do a video of her and just kind of go over what happened to that whole and show those marks because it's they're two yeah. black marks identical right under the chin, right under the mouth on the white, you know, on the belly part. And it's it's the inchy gene. It's part of, you know, the market. Right. They were there since I bought it from Kevin. I mean, See, I think that okay. brings up another question. Is It's not All just right, about, do you know how to, oh, sorry, go ahead, Becky. I'm just going to give you guys your 30-minute warning and just remind our listeners that if we go over the 30 minutes, it will record so they can go back to the playback and listen to where they pit left off at. So this is your 30-minute warning, guys. Uh, and I want everybody's opinion on this, um, uh, uh, Bills, Ed, everybody, uh, Andy. Um, when you sit there and you guys, we all work with morphs and stuff like that. Now, to me, when I talk to a buyer, I especially working with the jab gene, which has the neurological disorders. You know, when I talk about my snakes that someone's going to potentially buy from me, I want to make sure not only do they understand how to take care of the snake, but they understand the morph they're getting, what can come along with it, what morphs exactly. look like, stuff yeah. like that. I think a lot of these people just see this pretty snake and have no idea 
what these morphs do and the, and what the genes actually look like. And I mean, you guys know hypobos are a perfect example. I think everybody here is familiar with what a hypobo looks like or a jungle. They're yeah, I have, I have a hypo jungle. Every single one is different from the very next one. Right. So what do you guys, how do you guys think that we need to start describing these morphs to these people so they understand what they're getting? Now, I agree with that. With, with, with like ball pythons, there's certain ones have their little, um, their wobbles and stuff. Now, that's the stuff that I would explain to the people. Like if somebody bought a spider, I would say, you know, the snake has a wobble or it could have a wobble. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, like getting back to somebody like, Buying something from me, I would make sure they would know what they're getting anyway. You know, I'd ask them what they know about the morph, if they were buying something, what they know about the neurological problems or anything of the animal. I agree with that. I think they should be well informed as to what what kind of problems they have and see what their knowledge is on it to see if they could handle it. Right, right. That's kind of what I did on my giveaways, which I'm still waiting to ship, and it's driving the poor guy in California crazy. So I told everybody <laughs> it's be the last giveaway I do. I'm sorry for a live animal. Uh, but um, my policy on that, while we're talking about that ship, and I want to see what everybody else's was, is it's got to be over 70 for 48 hours, and that was like one of the – Shipping companies ship your reptiles, or uh, one of those had a policy like that too, even with a heat pack. So I was kind of curious what everybody else was on that. But anyway, um, like I'm saying, I kind of fill these people out with questions on uh, when you're doing an online. I'll send them like five questions How many snakes do you have now? What are you keeping them in? What do you feed them? You know, is this your first snake? You know, fill them out like that. So that's what I do. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Karen Norris from, um, she's a blood python breeder. Have any of you guys heard of her before? No. No. Okay. When you go to to buy a, a blood python from her, she will send you a form to fill out. It's like a freaking 30, 40 question questionnaire you have to fill out and then at the very bottom at the very bottom it says if she feels that it says right on there that if she feels that she needs to see pictures of the setup that you're going to put it in she'll ask for pictures of the setup if you don't send the pictures to her if she wants them (laughs) she won't send it she won't sell you an animal and and you know what? I think that's a good idea. That's an excellent idea. She's doing what she dog has, breeders do. Yeah, I, I did a, um, <laughs> I did an interview with her on here, and she did not once. She has never had a return animal. Anyone ever complain about anything? Because they had to fill out a form to make sure that they oh. knew what they were getting on all. It's just a long form. If you go on Facebook, you can look her up, and then go to her. Uh, her website and she'll you know you can look at the form it's crazy but it's not cool, it's, yeah it's, i mean it's a good idea it's an excellent yeah, idea oh yeah because i mean not That's only a, that you you get you get to know the buyer's knowledge but then more importantly i think right out from the beginning you weed out um <laughs> the douchebag buyers right <laughs> yeah. because 
they're not going to want to spend the time to fill out a, a questionnaire just to get this animal. Why should I do this when I can just go to this place on this website and have it shipped to me with no questions asked? You know? Right. So, well, so especially I think, when you're dealing with, with boas and bloods and reach it, because these are bigger snakes. And I think oh, a lot yeah. of these kids, you know, especially bloods, because actually a blood python, when those things are full grown, they got to be handled a different way. I mean, a boa will anchor on to you, a retickle kind of, but a blood, you got to support that body. That <laughs> body is a liver baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because that, they're they're heavy bodies. Yeah. That and that and they do not like to feel like they're not supported. If a blood python exactly. does not feel supported, it will tag. They'll bite you. And it's no joke, because when these get big, they might have a small cage, and they're going, uh-oh. I mean, I'm looking at my boas right now. They went from a hatchling rack to the, the sub-adult, and now, I mean, actually, when these two are in shed right now, when they shed, I'm putting them in the big 1070, and I already have enclosures like you have, Jay. I have four of those already um, with the sliding doors, the double mm. doors that I got from Reptile Basics, also for my dermarols. I mean, they're in hatching racks right now, the dermals, but I'm already prepared for when these animals get big, full-grown, they're, they're all set up in the 2x4x6 cages. Hmm. Yep. You I know, know when Becky but, starts selling geckos here, because she's going to start selling geckos, she wants to uh, do a questionnaire hatching, thing. Getting some. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't fill out your questionnaire yet, Jeff. I mean, Jake. <laughs> I'm sending you the five. Have to fill that it, out. It, it, it's a 500 <laughs> page questionnaire. It's got like 2,000 <laughs> questions on it. And yeah. he has to submit an essay, double space, five pages long. As to why he deserves yeah, it. I have <laughs> no problem. I've written several essays on reptiles, so I have no issue writing an essay. It's <laughs> good for tomorrow. <laughs> He'll even give friends. you answers you didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually oh, did a paper when I was in taking college classes on leopard geckos, and it was, it was it, the paper turned into a 50-page a, 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 a mini book <laughs> on leopard geckos. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm That's glad I'm not cool. the only one that does that. I start out with a simple paragraph, and next thing I know, I got three pages. And I'm like, what happened? I, well, I do the same now, thing. Going back to the problem. original question about shipping your animals, for me personally, when I ship my animals, it has to be 75 degrees all the way through, and it can't be anything over 89 degrees. And if it's above that, you're gonna have to, then you have to wait. And if it's below that, you have to wait. And, so and seventy five and eighty eight, and no heat packs then. No heat packs. No. No. I should say some heat packs, but I stopped doing that um, when I was reali- when I started talking to the carpet guys and about it, you know, causing issues with sperm. And the last thing I want to do is have the issue. I've never had the issue when I used to ship with heat packs with my boas. But I have mm-hmm. stopped that now because I don't want to ever have an issue for that to be for somebody to happen. I just I, I would feel terrible for that to happen. And that's why I always say, when you buy an animal, don't just buy an animal on what it can do for you. 
buy an animal on that. If it doesn't ever do anything, it's okay because that's a beautiful animal that you wanted anyway. Like the desert right. gene in ball pythons. People buy yep. the female desert not because it can breed, but because it's beautiful. Right. And that's how you should buy your animals, even your hits. Yeah. I'm sorry about the dog barking, guys. There was somebody else. Oh, I like Leo. Is he, is he humping your bed? Blanket. No, no, he only no, no. He doesn't hump the bed. He only humps the blanket. See, so he only humps Andy's blanket. Um, now that this is the reason I'm waiting to ship the corporal soda reptiles one that gopher snake for me, and I'm not going to ship it till it's warm enough here to ship due to the fact because I know heat packs on colubrids is not good at all because they could suffer really bad. They help. They they withstand cold. Way better than they do heat any day of the week. Hmm. Yes. Colubrids definitely adapt to that colder temperature. Oh, yeah. So, Ed, what are, what are your, uh, what are your limits? Um, the heat now on the thing on the heat packs, when it's, the heat packs won't work. They can actually fail under 32 degrees. So as long as it's in the low 40s, and I won't ship anything above 90 degrees if it's in the 90s, um, you know, and again, during the summertime, depending where I'm shipping, you really don't need to use the heat pack. Again, because the opposite right. in the FedEx warehouse, when I bring an yeah. animal to FedEx, because I have to drive about an hour to my FedEx hub, uh, the warehouse is hot during the summertime, so I asked the guy, hey, can you leave it in the office where it's air-conditioned? You know, so, sure. you know, I just cover my my ends that way to make sure. And, again, Reptile Express is really helpful when it comes to that. They'll actually call the FedEx where I'm shipping to if it's too hot. Because no, yep. no one ships to me when it's in the 90s, when it's above 90 degrees. No one will ship here. Most nobody. Right. Actually, it's funny because BHB, he'll ship. It seems like Brian will ship any time of year. <laughs> he just ships them. He doesn't care. Well, so does. You know who else does know. that? Who will ship any time of the year? Bob Clark. Oh, really? Uh, you know, I've, I've ordered a lot of stuff from Bob Clark over the years. Never had an issue, but uh, he delivers. Now, when, he, when I lived in Philadelphia, he would ship to Philadelphia in the wintertime. Yeah. But I don't know what company it was. It wasn't FedEx and it wasn't UPS or nothing like that. It wasn't even a mail. Some guy would come walking up out of nowhere wearing some funky uniform, knocked on my door and said, here's your box. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> I've never seen the company before. I don't know who they there, were. There are a lot of breeders out there that will ship year round. Doesn't matter the weather that, uh, it, 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 you know, there are a ton of breeders out there that do that. And most of the right. ones that do that are the big breeders. Yeah. And when I say big breeders, you're talking, you know, they're selling, you know, 800 to, you know, 5,000 animals a year. Yeah, that's um, BHB, J Brew, I mean, all of them, uh, LL Reptile. I mean, there's just so many big breeders out there that will ship you around. But yeah, um, funny, nerd, nerd won't do it. Nerd will not ship when temperatures are below thirty degrees. He will not ship. Well, Kevin like said, is a I very one thing I will say about Kevin. He's a very he cares more about his animals than oh, almost yeah. any breeder I know of that yeah. I would consider a big breeder. 
Yep. He yeah. really, oh, yeah, truly puts his animals first. He he yep. has kept the hobbyist mentality as he has yeah. grown. That has never changed for him. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that is something that changes for a lot of breeders. Um, yeah. I, I can attest to that myself. When it came, when I was doing leopard geckos and boas, at the time, when the first time I did it, and I was breeding so many boas and so many leopard geckos, I didn't care. Why? Because I was making money. Yeah, well, that's probably the thing. Most of these people, like Brian at BHP, this is his living. This is how he pays his bills. So they can't sit there holding. I mean, they want to get they want to get these snakes out to the customers or whatever he's selling during the year. He sells so many different types of animal. And I bought from him and never had an issue. Um, he always uses a heat pack. You know, everything's packed good and, you know, but I think a lot of these guys, because they rely on the money to pay their bills and to feed their families, it's that that's I think becomes more of a concern. Me, I have yeah, right. a separate business, so this isn't my lifestyle. You know, this isn't my living. Well, yeah, and, and I you think, gotta think when you have them big collections, you're spending ten thousand dollars a month probably on just food. Yeah, it was costing me almost a grand a month to feed my collection. That's, and that's about, now yeah. that I got the, I'm breeding my own rats. That that is down to zero. Right. It uh, is a the what's collection. Your, what's your opinion on the shipping? Um, <clears throat> as long as the animal is going to be safe. Um, I wouldn't recommend, you know, like Ed said, uh, very cold temperatures or uh, above 90. Um, You really got to consider, you know, how the animal is going to be affected um, because, I mean, you want to make customers happy, but you really have to make sure the animal is going to be safe. Yeah. Um, I think you're asking what What's that? How do you recommend handling like what Ed just went through with a with a crazy customer who did nothing but give him hell from the minute he shipped the animal? Um, Have you had anything like that ever happen to you? No, but uh, I document uh, stuff with uh, you know video um, packaging up the video uh, video packaging up um, uh, text messages, emails, all that stuff goes into, like, a customer file um, to document everything because, like um, Jay said, uh, you know, you got to have all that stuff together when they come at you trying to say that you sold them, you know, a bad animal or a sick animal, you know, you can prove that, hey, no, this this is what was discussed. This is what, you know got to be able to back all that stuff up if not it's easy to be tarnished and it's not that i'm worried about being tarnished because i know that i'm going to provide an animal that's quality it's just a headache yeah Yeah, and see that goes back to what somebody if you guys remember the old quantum classifieds i that's when i that's one thing i hate about the breeder reviews is because someone can trash somebody the breeder yeah. can come on there ten pages later, prove that it's all a lie, and Fauna still leaves it up there. And who's going to read ten pages down 
you know, the next phase, the next phase that shows the Raiders being honest and forthcoming in the guy's life. I've always had an issue with Barr that does that. I've seen it happen right. to people, and then they even the people who even documented the stuff manipulated it to where it looked like it was the other person's fault. Either anyway, and yeah. they come on like twenty and thirty pages later, and then they can't defend themselves back because it's already too late. All them other people have read it, and you know it's a lost cause. I hate yeah, that. and That's they won't take it down off a forum. And they won't take it down. No, you just stay off of forums completely. There's no point of ever being on a forum. And I don't care if people say anything about me on a forum. I just ignore it. You just That's the way you got to go with it. I agree. Yeah. I, what, what, what you got to do is if you got a problem with anything I did, go talk to this customer over here. Go talk to that customer over there and see what they think. They'll tell you. Exactly. Yeah, sooner or later, your reputation is going to speak for itself. I mean, if you're doing... If you're giving quality animals to people, I mean, you're never going to be able to please everybody. No. No. It's just ask my kids. <laughs> <laughs> that was took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's my daughter. <laughs> now, my, my question for you guys is um, – on going back to, you know, when we're talking about, you know, when we're buying animals and when we're selling animals, okay, how many guys do you see buy these hit animals that look like junk, but they think, oh, oh. if I get this hit animal, I'm going to prove, I'll get this something. And I think when you're okay. buying a hit animal, I know it's a little off topic, you need to buy for a look and quality, not what the animal is hit for. Okay, before anyone answers that question, I'm just going to give you guys your about eight-minute warning. We can go past it. Yeah, we can go past it, but we just have about eight minutes left live. Somebody want to answer that? Anybody could take that one, and then we'll just go down the line. Um, now, Jay, okay. what are you saying, Jay? Okay, for, I'll use myself as an example, okay. When I, the one thing I hate is when people buy hit animals, and I'll say, I'll ask that person, why'd you buy that animal? And they're like, oh, I know it's an ugly animal, but, you know, if I put it with this and I put it with that, then I can get this. And already, you, you're, you're, well, I hate when people do that because they're going about it the wrong way. When you buy a hit, in my opinion, I'll use myself as a perfect example. I bought a hypo. 100% hit for Sterling. I did not buy that hypo when I, I was looking for the hit Sterling, yes. But what made me buy that hypo was not that it was hit Sterling. And not that, you know, that it was hypo, but it was a beautiful looking animal. Yep. I got a 66% hit that has just these great pinks coming through. It's a beautiful animal. So I I just want your guys' opinion. Does Do you think that it's people need to think about when they're buying hits, not on the hits. Forget what it could be hit for and need to buy what the yeah. animal looks like. Of course. Yeah, but you've got to remember, Jay, you, you watch most of these breeders, and I'm not even going to say any names, but there's that are buying these really high-end animals because of what they can produce out of it and what they could sell the animal for when they do produce it. I mean, yeah, so you're talking about high-quality-looking animals. I'm talking about just your average hit that most people look at as a normal. 
I have right. to agree with you. What's his name was talking about that on his episode today, the Python uh, Ball Python Boulevard or whatever it is. There was animals he's looking for, but he's going to wait to buy until he sees the exact one he wants. He goes because you could see the same animal that just isn't appealing, even though it's the same gene. It just doesn't have the look to it. He said right. the look is more important to him. He he could wait. He said he will wait until it's the perfect looking animal because he doesn't want to put something that's not really good looking into his gene, even though it's into his project, even though it's the same gene. He wants it to look good because he goes, when you got an animal that looks good, it produces things that look good. Right. right. Which is why right. I waited that's three years I to get say. my blood pythons. I went on a two-year waiting list and had to wait another year before Ed would ship them out because he wants them perfect. Because that's just like you're saying, though, when you're looking at heads. It can be, you can say the same thing about normals. You know, you can have a good-looking normal and and have, you know, a plain average normal. But there's just certain ones, you know, the colors, the contrast is the big thing. You know that that's going to come over in the head. That's what I look for. I agree. And, and the only reason why I'm asking is because I, I, I see so many of these, so many breeders out there um, producing, uh, not so much, but I see a lot of it with the ball pythons mainly. You know, they produce these awesome clutches, and then they'll be a normal, and they'll be like, and I, and I always hate why, I'm sure you guys have seen the cutting videos, you've seen it, and they're like, oh, here's the normal, toss that to the side, and then just here is this, this, and that. And just it's like, wait a normal. I know. What's wrong with See? just that normal? You know what I, I hate mean? That. I, I yep. think we lose something when we look at Morse that sometimes we forget the natural beauty of an animal. That's what I love about my 66% hit, Sterling. He's just a beautiful boa to look at. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, they're all ball pythons. I mean, it's just the color pattern changes. Um, exactly. You know, they're they're all the same, pretty much. Snake. They, it's just the color patterns different. You know, because I have normals in my collection. I mean, and I bought them that way. That they don't. They're not het for anything. I got a few normal females. You know, in my collection, they're they're the actually the best egg layers. They lay, you know, the, the odds are they're going to lay more eggs than any other morph lays. They get the biggest too. They're good breeding snakes. Well, with the way ball pythons are going, it's going to only be a matter of time before the normal's the rare one, and everybody's going to be paying top dollar for a normal looking yeah, exactly. ball python. Yeah, they're That's what I'm holding out for. <laughs> and I, I think people get impatient with waiting for the animal. And, and you know, you take my blood <laughs> python for example. I waited. I talked to Ed. I looked at a bunch of blood pythons. Ed sent me the picture of his. I said I want those uh, babies from those. I had to wait two years. Got on and waited oh, less, waited two years. After yeah. after the babies were born two years later, I had to wait another 10 months before I could get them. And you guys have seen both my blood pythons. They're exactly what I wanted out of a T-positive. And I think that's the thing. People don't want to wait that one year or that two years. They want that instant gratification. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we, I think people need to right. step back and be more patient. Yeah, patience right. is a virtue in this industry. You have to have patience. But most don't because they figure, hey, you have my money. Where's my snake? Exactly. You know. And I also think it goes back to I want to hurry up and get in the game and buy a breeder adult. Let's get this. I'm going to make all this extra money. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's unfortunately, but that's kind of how it is. See, I I have an issue with people buying adult breeders due to the fact that they might have been proven breeders or whatever. But you can't be 100% sure that that animal is still producing like it used to. Right. You could buy an adult right. female that cut down to one egg at a time. You know, she can only produce yep. one egg at a season now. Yep. I've never Somebody walked up to my table female. and did that. Yep. Somebody walked up to my table and did that just this past weekend. Hey, I just got this, and they said it just laid. And I'm like, well, how many times is it bred? And they're like, uh, they didn't say. I said, well, you may or may not have got a good deal. Yeah. Maybe at the end of, you know. <laughs> That's why I tell you, I'm two eggs a year. Right. right. <laughs> I've never bought. I've never Was bought it? an adult, female, male. They've always been hatchlings, or I bought two sub adults that were I believe. Yeah, and and I think you know another thing that I, I and I want you guys to see me on this is these Craigslist buyers that buy these animals on Craigslist and then turn around and sell them for profit. That drives me. Uh, flippers. Or or rescue them. They didn't buy them. They rescue them off Craigslist and then turn around and sell them. That's what gets me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have I no have problem a... if you want to rescue an animal and then get it to a proper home, but you shouldn't charge people for you going no. to Craigslist. Right. I, I see that a lot. I have a buddy who has been watching the Craigslist now, and this guy's like, I'm moving. I have to sell these snakes and these racks and all that. This is how much I want for it, which is pretty much market value. But then he wants to charge for the tubs and all this, too. And my buddy contacts him and says, you had anybody checking them out yet? And the guy's like, no. He goes, well, here's my number. You call me when you absolutely have no choice but to get rid of them animals. Well, the guy called him and was like, well, if I don't sell them or anything within the next couple of days, you can come and just have them. <laughs> Oh, wow. You can't take them. Yeah, but, you (laughs) know, I can understand if if you take it on an animal, you need to take into consideration, you got to have some kind of backup plan if uh, you have to move or you stand a chance of ever moving. Because them animals didn't ask to be in your care. You asked to have them in your care, basically, is the way I look at it. And when you take an animal on, it's your responsibility until that animal passes on. Oh, yes, I agree. Yep, I had something like that um, on top of my friend with his, uh, he had some boas, red tails, on my table. And I had somebody walk up to me, tell me straight out, well, I want to buy this. I'd like to buy it today. I said, okay, we're getting ready to move two states away, though. I'm like, mm, no, I think somebody's coming back to get this snake. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. That was smart. Just, yeah. I'm like, yeah. No. 
Okay, guys, we've got two minutes left. So do you just want to keep going and just let it record, or do you just want to wrap it up for the night? I'll leave that up to Andrew. He's the captain of the ship. He's the captain? Yes, no, captain. I'm the captain of the ship. That's why I'm the producer. <laughs> I'd say everybody, okay, I'm going you know, to uh, leave that up to you. Yes. I'll go down with the ship. Andy, I'll go down with the I'm ship. A, I'm, ba- I'm, ba- I'm ready. I, I, I have another thing I want to bring up, but if you want to wait until next week, I, you're in charge, and I know better than argue with yeah, let's save that for next week because, I mean, we can even carry this topic on again next week. We can pick it up where we left off because it seemed like it's been a good one and everything. So so let's just start from the top. We'll give everyone a quick second to just plug all their info, and then we will call it good. So we are going to start with Bill. Hey, Bill with BC Python. We're on Instagram, YouTube. We're almost up to 900 subscribers, so if you're not subscribed to us, come on and check us out. Thanks. All right. Good night. Thank you. Marshall, you're next. Marshall? Did he mute himself again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the mute man is back. The mute man is back. <laughs> well, that's what I just said. Did he mute himself again? All right, plug yourself real quick, gotta... Marshall. Yeah, Marshall with Marshall Law Morphs. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube. And since we were already talking about uh, shipping weathers and everything like that, check me out on YouTube in the next week or so. There's There's, there's plenty of new things that have been bought and paid for for several months that'll be coming in. <laughs> so, All right. All right. Um, I'm just going to do it for Ed. Ed is at CMC Reptiles, and I think it's – no, oh, my God. Yeah, CMC. Ed, Ed drops his call, yeah. So he, I know he's at CMC Reptiles at, on YouTube, and I think it's the same for Instagram. Am I correct, gentlemen? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. Alrighty, so that one was that, and our next one is going to be, let's see, Jay. Oh, okay, um, I'm Boxing Boa, you can find me, and that's one word, you can find me on YouTube, you can find me on Instagram, on my YouTube, I'm doing a 1200 subscriber giveaway, and there's going to be uh, four transfers given away, two winners. And at 2,000 subscribers, you get uh, uh, you have a chance to win a Chroma Carp Python. And you can also find me on Twitter at Carpets Boas. Alrighty. Sexy. Always, baby. Always got to keep it sexy. <laughs> Pi- have you seen the you know pipes? You don't have you try. seen guns? <laughs> All right. Next we got up is Python Burrow. <laughs> Hey, it's uh, Jimmy with the Python Borough. Uh, you can find me at uh, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. All right, guys. And, and I'm Becky. And I'm Andy. And we're from DEA Exotic. I have one thing, one thing to say, though. I'm going to tell you guys something. There's one channel I want you guys to go check out. I want everybody to go check out Drew the Entertainer on YouTube. His show was hilarious. He went 
he was Great talking guy. today about my channel, and it was hilarious listening to him talk. So you guys uh-huh. got to go check him out. All right, guys. Hey, everyone has to do me one favor. Tomorrow is a day. It is? You need to go out and plant a tree or plant a flower or do something to make the earth look beautiful. I would do it, but our ground is still frozen. I just thought you would walk outside and I make the earth more beautiful. I think Jay's new I mean Jay's new thing's gonna be the narcissist should be his channel <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right guys tonight when Jay walks outside he lays a carpet of roses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, All right, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.